podcast, a weekly chronicle of high technology and futuristic thought leadership. A show that speeds down the information superhighway with reckless abandon and weaves in and out of virtual realities to plumb the very depths of human perception and consciousness. This week's episode skates dangerously along the bleeding edge of books. As in sheets of inky paper bound together with fabric, like those things we've been reading since the 1400s, books. Well, I suppose this podcast had a good run. I mean, here are the hosts of the most vulgar book club ever, Alison Goldberg and Jennifer Jamula. everybody. I'm Jen. I'm Allie. Welcome to Two Girls, One Podcast. Allie and I are performers and comedians who had a show called Bloglogs for a lot of years where we would perform internet material on stage using the internet as a script. Later on, we made a web series called Two Girls, One Show, which you can find on hoohaha.com. <laughs> Not even going to acknowledge it. What we would do in that is interview people behind the internet posts that we found interesting and go on scripted adventures. And that led us here to this podcast, Two Girls, One Podcast which we make with The Daily Dot. And we're interviewing people behind internet and communities and phenomena that we really find fascinating. So that's the scoop. Sometimes some air horns will drop in. And there's also somebody else here. His name's Matt. Hi, Matt. Blowing on it, then shoving it back in. (laughs) Works for everything. Works for everything. (laughs) (laughs) What was she even talking about? (laughs) Nintendo. Oh, that's Obviously. (laughs) Nintendo seems kind of appropriate because that's sort of like an older thing we used to do when I was a kid. It makes me think about reading. I don't really do that anymore, guys. Which is also something we used to do when we were kids. That's just the worst segue I've ah, ever We've had worse. We've had worse. I, I still read, but I don't read nearly as much as I'd like to. Yeah. Well, you're primarily a, a Kindle reader, right? Well, I miss books. I prefer books, but the Kindle's just so easy because it's lightweight. Like, I remember, especially when I used to read some, like, if you read a 600-page book, it's, like, weighing down your bag. So, I think it's easy and convenient, but I miss books. When's the last time you picked up a paperback or a hardcover? Oh, shit. Oh, uh, pretty recently, actually, because my best friend from home, Lainey Nemet, her brother, Adam Nemet, just published a book. And so I ordered that from Amazon and I'm going to start reading that next. And it is paperback. Very cool. I think it's called We Can Save Us All. I hope I promote that correctly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm reading a book. It's called We Are Never Meeting in Real Life. It's by this woman, Samantha Irby, who writes these hilarious essays about her life, which I picked up in an airport bookstore. So shout out to Hudson Books. Woo, woo, woo. Get that air horn in there, Matt. (laughs) Hudson Books. Matt, what are you doing? (laughs) Matt, get it together. Matt's falling asleep on the air <laughs> blowing on it then shoving it back in ah, shit, all right all right all... now but here's the thing jen we have not revealed to our listeners what the fuck this has to do with the internet <laughs> <laughs> that's true okay guys today we're talking about let's say it on the count of three ali one two three books bookstagram to... what you said that, what? <laughs> i did it you said one two three i went for it i know but like we weren't synced up okay, you know what i mean bookstagram is this porn <laughs> is this porn yeah 
<laughs> what? Are books porn? What are we talking about? How did this get on porn suddenly? <laughs> because Instagram, I just, we talk about porn a lot. I just thought maybe Bookstagram was about porn. Oh, no, no. Bookstagram is a community on Instagram that is all about books and celebrating them and sharing them and its readers and authors. <sighs> and um, it's actually supposedly Matt fell asleep. Did Matt just fall asleep? Oh, God, God damn so it. Funny. Wait, Matt, you actually might find this interesting. It's really? supposedly helping independent bookstores start to thrive a little bit more. Mm, no, don't care. This all right, is all so right, wholesome. Well. In the grand scheme of like two girls, one podcast episodes, this is like Rose to Golden Girls Blanche. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Unless we're talking about books about coprophilia. Remember, <laughs> remember coprophilia? coprophilia? We referenced that in the previous yes. episode. Yes. Yeah. Yes, a fetish for feces. <laughs> <laughs> This show, this episode is so wholesome. I think it will be played in classrooms for students. <laughs> no, we just ruined it with the coprophilia mention. Oh, shit. Shout out Southern Middle School. That was my middle school. Hey, <laughs> Where's that air horn, Matt? God damn you. You should Rolling have it on, on call. It, oh. Then shoving it back in. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. All right. So, yeah, people, they're uh, gathering around books. I think that's nice. <laughs> I think that's pretty cool. And that social media is actually translating into people in real life going somewhere <laughs> where they can connect in person, you know, and hopefully read, read something. So today we're talking to somebody who completed something called the 100 Books in a Year Challenge. She actually read 100 books in one year and documented it on social media. And we're talking with the manager of the last bookstore in LA, which is the most Instagram bookstore in Los Angeles and, you know, likely uh, in other places as well. <laughs> Maybe Wait, across the, last- the world. The last bookstore? It's called The Last Bookstore. Oh, it's not is, literal. Is it the last? It's, no. Oh. Yeah, there's only one left and this is it. Oh, man. I know. Do you know what? Um, Do you think all these bookstagrammers, have they heard about podcasts? I would it's imagine. <laughs> you can listen with your ears. You know, have they mm-hmm. heard about this? Like audio books? Maybe they don't know about podcasts. <laughs> Allie's not allowed to talk for the rest of the episode. <laughs> You're making it sound like... I'm pod- out. I'll see ya. Podcasting is somehow superior to... Reading? That's not what you're saying. It's not, but we have a podcast, me and you. I don't know if you know this, so that's like sort of what I was getting at, but like I don't, I like books. Do you know what though? I went to a craft fair once and this guy was selling clocks made out of books and I was like, shit, this might be the next thing where books become like antiques. (laughs) <laughs> and you just make art out of them. But I also two, think there's two things a bit we, of a renaissance. we no longer need. Books and clocks. Like, what the fuck? We need them. We need them, guys. We need them. I definitely still like a clock. I, I, I need a big wall clock, actually, because I run. I'm chronically late, as Jen knows. <laughs> and so a big wall. So I don't have to even go for my phone, even though, of course, it's attached to me. It's just a growth out of my hand. But like, it'd still be nice just large visual reminder. I have this image of you because I also know that you have a wall calendar, that you have this giant clock and giant calendar. And then I see you somehow like dressed like you're from the 1980s sitting at a desk in your house. <laughs> like white sneakers and, yes. a, and a pantsuit. With a wall calendar? Matt, I can't remember anything. I can't keep track. So I got a wall calendar so I could write things down and see them there. Okay. Do you all know how many things I've double booked? It's actually frightening. Okay. I have a wall calendar. Well, I think I mentioned this before, but I got a watch just because when I go look at the time of my on my phone, I get into the internet and that's right. no good. You made a convincing case for the watch no, that, uh, it, it, that I it's was true. on board with. Yeah, so let's bring sure. back clocks. Let's bring back uh, print books. 
I have a ton of print books in little what I call altars around my apartment and like little stacks. <laughs> what? I don't know. I'm just like, I'm hoping if I put them out, I'll read them. <laughs> so I have a ton of books though. If you guys need any books, let me know. Listeners included, just, you know, hit me up. <laughs> well, speaking, well, of, speaking printed, of time. Printed books. Just some dead air and then uh, what transitioning was, what to was nothing. going to be? <laughs> Mine was transitioning to trivia. Ah. All right. Yeah, I was saying speaking of time, it's time to get trivia over with. <laughs> oh, it's that's time to good. get trivia over with. And today's trivia is about old-timey times. Speaking of clocks and watches and wall calendars. Can you please say that again in the appropriate voice? Let's take it back to clocks and wall calendars. Yeah, you also used the <laughs> phrase old-timey time. So old-timey time. Yeah, great. Uh, let's Thank take you. it on back to a little time I like to call the 1950s. Okay, is it just you? You're the only one who calls it that, or? <laughs> yeah, it's it's a little. It's a phrase I made up. It's describing the okay. decade between the 1940s and the 1960s. I'm calling it <laughs> the 1950s. What do you guys Got think? Got it. I, yeah, it's. I, uh, I literally I see the was always wondering what that was called. I think yeah. it's good. I think it's okay. good. I think you, you think nailed it. On? Excellent. Okay. Yeah, I think so. In the mid 1950s. A book that was never published made the New York Times bestseller list, despite the fact that not a single copy was ever sold. How what? did this literary hoax, this literary hoax, come to pass? <laughs> oh my gosh, it reminds me of our episode with Uba Butler with the restaurant that didn't exist. Yes. Here are your choices. Are you ready? Yes. A. A publisher bribed the New York Times in order to be included on the list, but the book was later canceled. The New York Times forgot to remove it from the list and it was included despite never hitting shelves and the scandal resulted in many firings. That's choice A. Choice B, a popular radio DJ urged his listeners to request a fake novel at bookstores and demand was so high that it made the bestseller list. That's choice B or C. Did he use an air horn? Wait. Okay. No. Sorry. Keep going. Oh, you got it. That was awesome. Did they have air horns in the 1950s? That's a great question for another time. Yeah, but it meant like the atomic bomb was coming. (laughs) (laughs) A real air horn. Yeah, that's when they really came about. It wasn't some like remix on the radio shit. Yeah, Yeah, it got dark uh, pretty quick. It's good. Uh, or C, a nationwide outbreak of Asian flu compelled millions of Americans to request a book containing the cure. It became the most requested book of the decade and made the bestseller list despite being a desperate hoax. What? Those are your three choices. Uh, bribery at the New York Times, a DJ made up a fake book, or C, people were so afraid of the Asian flu that they they really wanted a book to cure the Asian flu. I feel like for it to make it on the list, it has to, someone has to have seen it. (laughs) Uh, Not in these three scenarios. (laughs) Which makes me feel like it must be A, like there was some legit bribery going on, but I'm gonna go with B because it's the most fun. Okay. The DJ inventing a book, that's choice B. Ali goes with B, Jen. Wait, did DJs exist back then? In the 1950s, sure. I hope. I don't know about this. <laughs> <laughs> that's the golden age of DJs. That's the that's when rock and roll was hitting the airwaves, and uh, you had some it? DJs playing the tones. Oh, Matt I knows a lot about it. Almost like he researched it to make up an answer. Like he's trying too hard to cover for the fact that there weren't any DJs. What are you talking about? Of course, they had DJs in the 1700s. Obviously. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Oh, All right. Well, I don't want to uh, say anything bad about the New York Times. I just can't believe that would happen there. So I'll go with C, Asian flu. Okay. 
Uh, we will find out the correct answer after the break. And now a real advertisement entitled, My Soul for Sale is cheap and proceeds go to the World Wildlife Fund from the number one online marketplace for second-hand spiritual essence, eBay. My Soul for Sale is cheap, funny human soul for adult or anyone really. Shipped with USPS Retail Ground. If purchased, your wonderful package comes with one genuine soul in a sealed jar, a letter about said soul and how to care for it, and a complimentary thank you letter because you bought my soul. So at least, I'm worth something. Starting bid $5. Free local pickup. people selling their virginity on ebay you know That's, what i mean oh god yeah i mean i did that once and it did not go well <laughs> once you can only do it once <laughs> wait there was also that tweet we used to perform a long time ago like why why do people give their virginity away they, don't they know how much they can get for it on craigslist i sold mine 4076 whatever it was. <laughs> that's a great that's a great joke that's a great joke yeah although i really guys. should be crediting who it was right now and i cannot remember but it was not me <laughs> It's a tweet. If it was you, tweeted us. <laughs> <laughs> if you recognize this joke. I'm chomping at the bit for this trivia, guys. <laughs> All right, here we go. Here we go. In the mid-1950s, a book that was never published made the New York Times bestseller list, despite that not a single copy was ever sold because it didn't exist. Why? Why did this happen? A, someone bribed the New York Times. B, a popular DJ urged his listeners to request a fake novel. Or C, People were searching for a book to cure the Asian flu. Uh, Ali, you went with B, the DJ, right? Because it was the most fun. And Jen, you're thinking Asian flu. Sure. Why not? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The correct answer is B, the DJ. Ooh. Nailed it. Damn, girl. So this is a very, it's a very Uba Butler story. This guy sounds like the Uba Butler of the 50s. Wow. Does Uba know? Maybe it's his pops. Uba is just Grand a pops. knockoff of this 1950s guy. You gotta love a good Wait, social what's the commentary DJ's name? hoax. Uh, the DJ's name was Jean or Jean Shepard. I'm not sure how you so pronounce Uba it. So Uba is the Jean Shepard of the of 2019. Exactly. Of the teens. He made this point that the New York Times bestseller list, p- perhaps at the time, I don't know if it still works like this, but is based uh, in in full or in part on demand for a book, not on actual sales figures. So if a lot of people go into bookstores and request a book, uh, that somehow factors into the New York Times bestseller list, or at least it did at the time. Uh, that is the reporting here. So he just made up a book called I, Libertine, uh, and kind of made up a little bit of a story around it and said, hey, you know, listeners, go into your local bookstore, request this fake book. The bookseller will be like, oh, I don't have that. Let me write it down. And that data, at least the 1950s version of data, was then transmitted somehow to the New York Times and it made the list. Uh, And this elaborate hoax and social commentary was uh, the talk of the town in the 1950s. Wow. I mean, if you were around today, think about how he would be manipulating us through social media. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Wow. You know what? What if he never died and his name is Uba Butler? (laughs) Whoa. I think that's that's probably true. Yeah. 
You know, like now Nicolas Cage is a vampire. The butler's been around <laughs> since the 50s. <laughs> right. The additional little twist here, which I thought was fun, was that this fake book became so popular that I think someone actually wrote the book. Like someone actually ended up publishing it through a publisher that was like, we get the joke, we're in on this. Uh, and then it became a real book. That's really cool. I want to read it now. I Libertine. Do you think we can request that at our local bookstore? <laughs> what do we think? <laughs> Jen, have you been listening? <laughs> yes, you can request it at your local bookstore. But I, but I mean, in the past 60, 70 years, there could be several books. Hey, how does that work? Because there must be so many books with the same title. Like mm. in the Actors Union, only you can have your name. But right. in Bookland. Uh, are you really restricted? Like there cannot be another Alison Goldberg in sag or whatever i kind of recall that when i joined the union that it was like you can't have your name if it's already taken but no one else was stupid enough to want alison goldberg and so it was available mm-hmm. that's why there are so many actors with three names like sarah jessica parker mary louise parker you're like why do they have Wait, that is that middle- why is that why i think so i think that's why a lot of people throw in middle names yeah as far as i know well it's weird too with the internet too like what makes you googleable and findable mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but you don't see too many like madame bovary's out there <laughs> <laughs> Jane Eyre's, <laughs> Wuthering Heights. Like, there have to be rules around that, I would imagine. Tweet guys, us. You, I'm at tweet Allie us. Gold. <laughs> I'm a Junebugger. <laughs> it's a time. I want to learn more about books. I definitely don't want to hear myself talk anymore. <laughs> Everybody, we have two guests today. We're very lucky to have with us Tammy Gordon, who completed the 100 Books in a Year Challenge and documented it on Instagram through her bookstagram. And we have Katie Orphan, who is the manager of The Last Bookstore, which is the most Instagram bookstore in Los Angeles. Welcome, Tammy and Katie. Thank you. Well, let's start from the beginning. We'd love to know um, if it's true that Instagram is for more than selfies and food porn. (laughs) (laughs) How about like food porn with books? Oh, I'm in. I feel like that's a Those Venn are two of my favorite behind. things. Okay, Wait, great. Are you, are you eating the books? I'm I'm already lost. <laughs> no, but like Man, I've sit down. some of Is it some cookbooks? of the best book Insta it has to be posed next to what you're eating and drinking. Bacon. Yes. That's true. Right. Yes. <laughs> All right. So tell us how you got involved with this movement. <laughs> well, I don't I don't know that it was so much getting involved in, in a movement, or maybe most movements don't start as like a movement, but I originally got into this whole sort of like challenge of like how many books you could read in a year and this idea of a hundred um came from a woman named Erin Ruberry that I follow on Twitter. And when I heard her say she was gonna do the hundred book challenge, I was like, God, I used to read so much. Like as a kid, that's all I wanted to do. Um, and like real life took over and like all of a sudden I wasn't reading and I was like always online and staring at my phone and I was like, oh that would be a good challenge. But I thought maybe I'd read 20 out of the hundred. And what happened? <laughs> I think I ended up at 108. I, it kind oh of took God. over my life in good ways and in mostly good ways. <laughs> yeah, I would have been impressed with 20. <laughs> uh, I, let's just put it this way. I ratcheted it down a little bit this year because I thought I'd maybe decided to have a life. <laughs> well, I was about to ask, were you able to like work and accomplish anything else? Um, well, you know, I feel like that people always ask me, like, where do you how do you even make the time for that? Um, and I basically I feel like I gave up TV and like men. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. I think like but it was Those a good trade. Two stellar cuts. Yeah. 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 yeah it was here. You can do it. Yeah. No problem. <laughs> okay. So you, re- you read all these books and then what? You were Instagramming them. Right. Well, I originally started because I was like, I don't know what you're reading feels like. I don't know. You don't want your like weird Facebook friends from like high school or random relatives like commenting on the books that you're reading. So like, I feel like Instagram was like a safer space to just like 
share what I was reading and I kept getting good ideas for what to read next. And I found that a bunch of authors were also on Instagram and were, um, you know, whenever I'd post that I was reading their book, they'd like it or they'd leave a comment. And it just felt like a really fun space that was like sharing what you were loving about what you were reading and kind of um, giving a little bit of a signal booth to like these authors and um, booksellers. And it, it became like a very feel good space for me, um, especially with everything that was happening in Twitter and politics. Obviously, I live in Washington. And so I uh, have been consumed on that front, that like Instagram and books became this really like fun space for me that was just like not something people were going to argue about that people rather were going to be inspired by. And did you see a community start to emerge around your post or amongst the bookstagram community at large and how you interacted with other people doing this? Yeah, I mean, uh, not shockingly on my like food comment earlier, I like gravitate towards, you know, accounts that like have them reading, but like doing something else fun on the side. So there's ones that are like reading from bars and like reading with rosé and like books and coffee and things like that. And so I feel like I like uh, not only like found really interesting people, I just found these like particularly women authors, like almost read almost all the books I read were by women authors. And I just found that like there was this neat community, particularly of first time authors who were so thankful that you were sharing what they were doing and that you loved what they wrote, um, that it just it felt like really authentic and special and like um, like a neat, a neat group of people that I just like had never known before. I like that. I know. I feel very like positivity, la 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 about it. But like <laughs> in this era of like madness where everything feels like negative, it was like a really cool positive space where it was like, you're like cheering each other on. Like you want these authors that you loved to like have a great second book and third and, um, you know, kind of become like a booster for them as well. That's so cool. And were you reading um, physical books, ebooks, listening to audiobooks? How did that work? Okay, so I know some people like judge that like an audiobook isn't an actual like reading of a book, but I would push back on that notion. <laughs> it is too much to ask to read all of those books in print. So my strategy became that um, I love reading fiction, like I can consume a great novel um, really like quickly at a pace of at least one a week. But nonfiction is a little bit like rougher for me to get through. Like I get bored. I think the first three chapters are good, but then my mind kind of like wanders and I get distracted. So um, what I decided was that I was going to read one fiction book in hardcover a week, most of which I got from the library. Um, and then at the same time, um, while I was driving around or commuting or running errands or waiting for meetings to start, I would listen to audiobooks. And so things that were like business related or things that were like, oh, like Bad Blood obviously was a huge book last year. Like that was completely amazing. But like I do better when I consume nonfiction via audio. And so I did a mix of that. Um, though I think I denoted in my, I, I did a li like a blog post with a list of all the books I read. I denoted which ones I read on audio. And do you have a favorite local independent bookstore? <laughs> I do, in fact. My go-to in Washington, D.C. is Politics and Prose. Maybe it's part of like all of this like movement around books, but there are, are even more independent booksellers than there were um, in all of the years I've lived in D.C. So almost each neighborhood has its own um, bookstore, which I find fabulous. And like, I love exploring them when I'm in different places. But politics and prose is my local. Well, that brings us right to Katie. So Katie, oh. we'd love to hear a little bit about your story. Okay. Well, as you mentioned at the top, the last bookstore is the most Instagram bookstore in LA. And I wish I had like numbers on this, but I would say we're pretty high up there in terms of Instagram bookstores in the world. Um, Instagram has been such a game changer, I think, for a lot of people. Um, 
But definitely for us, we have all of these interesting and unique architectural and art features built out of books in our store. And we didn't do those with Instagram in mind, um, but we got really lucky that it brings people to the store. And in many ways, Instagram is our number one marketing tool. Wow. And and not really intentional on our part, but people Instagram pictures from our store all the time. And it has really, like Tammy was saying, it's built a community. Um, and it's interesting being more on um, the business side of things than just general readers, even though our store is staffed by readers, many of whom post bookstagram photos all the time, myself included. You know, when we were talking about like food and drink and Instagram, I'm like, yeah, I would say 90% of my bookstagrams have like a cup of coffee in the picture because <laughs> yes. that's how I read. Uh, book in one hand, coffee in the other. <laughs> Books and coffee is a big hashtag. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we, you know, we've really found that um, people connect with us. I love when we post, you know, that week's new releases and at least for us, it would be physically impossible to post all of our new releases in one picture and still have those finds be readable. Um, so I love seeing people engage and be like, oh, where is this book? And being able to tell them, yes, we have it. Um, it's just not in the picture, but it is on our shelves. Come in and, and buy it from us. I'm really curious about the community aspect. It seems like one of the hallmarks of a really good independent bookstore would be community around it. I know very often there are events that are held at bookstores like that. So with this rise of an online community and then people coming from online to come visit the store because of pictures that they see, does the community feel different now? Is it just thriving? Like, Can you talk a little bit, Katie, about like what the community is like? Oh, for sure. Um, you know, in our earliest days, we were much more of a neighborhood bookstore. Um, you know, most of our customers were people who either lived downtown or worked downtown because it's, you know, one of the main business centers of Los Angeles. So we had a lot of people who would come in on their lunch break. But with the rise of Instagram, at least once a week, I have a customer from another country showing me a picture of like, a YouTube celebrity or an Instagram influencer from their country uh, posing in our store and asking where they can go take their picture like that. Um, so Instagram has really kind of expanded our audience beyond downtown LA to the world at large. I love that Instagram is spreading the word about books, but are people just coming and taking photos and leaving or are they then sucked <laughs> into actually buying books? Aha. Uh -huh. Well, you've hit on the most complicated aspect of this for me. <laughs> I mean, look, if it converts 10% of them into readers, that's great. But I'm curious how many people are just taking a photo and leaving. You know, I wish I had better numbers on it. And I've tried to figure out a way to like count how many people like come in and take their photo and Maybe don't buy anything. Maybe it's good that you don't though. It might be too <laughs> depressing. So it might be, but um, you know, I think we get a mix. We get people who really are just there for the gram, but I would say of the people I really notice. And of course the fact that they're carrying books or asking about books makes them more noticeable to me. Um, I do feel like a lot of people come in, they come to us because they love books. Maybe like they were just looking for a cool bookstore and Instagram pointed them to us. Um, so we do get a lot of people who, you know, they're taking the picture, but like, 
you know, they have a couple books in hand or they you know, do they're know seriously how to read. browsing yeah. as well. Yes, for sure. <laughs> Got it. Is it skewed in demographic? I would imagine that it's kind of younger people coming in and Instagramming, but is that true? Or is it just like, does it run the gamut? I would say that our Instagramming demographic is pretty true to the overall Instagram user demographic of mm-hmm. um, women in their 20s and 30s. No, I thought you meant 12-year-olds. <laughs> <laughs> Matt! <laughs> Sorry. No, they're snapping it. Yes, exactly. Or um, TikToking it. Is that the new one? <laughs> what is that? Is that? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's it's taking sad. a photo? I don't know. I've just oh, read. I'm, I'm just enough of an old that I read about new social media platforms, and I'm like, that's great. Let the kids have it. Uh, I'll be content with like posting pictures of my cocktails and pictures of my books reading. on Instagram. <laughs> yes. yes, cocktails because I'm old enough to drink. Exactly. <laughs> And that's been an interesting challenge for me as the person who is in charge of our buying and is in charge of our inventory, um, trying to figure out what people are looking for. And I will say this, um, cause I don't know where else I might fit this in. Um, Instagram has also driven a lot of book sales for us. Our pretty much always number one bestseller aside from like the first two months that becoming by Michelle Obama was out. Our top selling books are by Rupi Carr, um, Milk and Honey, Sun and Her Flowers. And she got her start as a poet on Instagram. She has a huge following on Instagram. She posts her poetry there and kids who follow her on Instagram come to our store to buy her books. I read, I read her books. And the amount of poetry we sell. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, And I found her via Instagram. Exactly. And that's, that's true for so many people. And we really see that, like, I don't know if there's, there's a more official name for them, but we do kind of refer to them as the Instagram poets People have found a way to connect with an audience on Instagram. Yeah, I mean, I think that's an interesting point. I mean, as a as a reader, I would have told you I do not like poetry. Like, I'm not a person who reads poetry. I it actively like kind of like repels me. And I really loved Rupee's Instagram, and I love and I was like, oh, I'm going to check this out and read it. And I read it cover to cover the first day I got it from the library. Um, and the other one that I got sucked into reading that I didn't know was all poetry was The Poet X by Elizabeth Acevedo. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I thought it was about a poet, but the entire book is written in a novel told via poems. And it's one of the most interesting books I've read in the last two years. I just want to quote you. Hi, I'm Tammy, and I'm actively repelled by poetry. Oh, 100%. 100%. <laughs> I love that sentence. Cool. Uh, That's really interesting that there is this also kind of like feminist tilt in the bookstagram community. Yeah, I think I mean, I think that one of the coolest things for me, I didn't set out to only read women, but I almost only read women. And I think like part of it was every time I picked up a book that was by a dude, like the one that I really remember being repulsed by was the James Patterson, Bill Clinton book. And like, I love me some Bill Clinton, but this was like right after he didn't take responsibility for the Monica Lewinsky thing when he started that book tour. And I almost had to quit reading it because it was just like so formulaic. And I was like, I can't even believe that I'm like giving this guy like, like my time to sit down and read this book. Like I was just grossed out by it. I think I actively started trying to read pretty much only women. And then I started trying to hit a percentage of women of color authors 
And like one of the neatest things that came out of it, other than me not hating poetry, apparently, <laughs> um, is that like almost all of the authors um, in my top 10, I'd never heard of. And almost all of them are women of color. Not only did like I read all these cool books, but like, for instance, Jasmine Guillory, um, who is very active on social media, um, it was one of my favorite books last year called The Wedding Date. Super fun, like fast romance read. And so I asked her because I couldn't really find a lot of good information. I was like, what other Black women authors out there write really fun romance novels? Like, you know, it exists. Um, mm -hmm. So like, help me find it. And she sent me a whole list of her favorite authors, which led me to, you know, pick up those books and start reading them. And that's where I think that community aspect really comes in, is that the authors are like responding and sharing and leading you to other authors. Well, first of all, people have been reading exclusively men since the dawn of time. So I feel like this is cool. <laughs> Second, are there other, you, I know you just shouted out some people, but are there other authors that our listeners should check out? Oh, I mean, I, I'm sure that Katie has like a ton as well, but I mean, my favorite book uh, of last year was American Marriage by Tayari Jones. And I found oh. her originally uh, by following her on Twitter. I just thought it was so mm -hmm. um, like modern and now and such an interesting story that hadn't been told. Um, Jasmine, I found her books. I found her by following her on Twitter and I read her book and I realized halfway through it that as I was reading it, I was picturing the characters as white. <laughs> and I was like, wow. that's so weird. Like that your mind just like, it, it's just like, you know, it's a built in perception, right? And so like, when you're actively looking to read authors of color, um, you're really getting these like game changing, interesting stories that, you know, aren't there if you don't necessarily seek and find them. So I feel like social media has really helped me find those authors and surface them. Um, and then they've helped lead me to other ones. I love yeah. when every now and then social media leads to something positive instead of the world <laughs> crumbling. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'm just curious, Katie, what are some of your top picks for authors or books? Oh, gosh. Um, I would say probably my favorite author who is alive and currently writing um, is a woman named Claire Fuller. I picked up her debut a few years ago and at work, I've sold almost a thousand copies of it. Wow. Yeah. I'm very proud of that. Did she write Bitter Orange? Yeah. I yeah, loved yeah. that so book. I, I did too. I will sell anything she writes. Um, I love her work. So yeah, Bitter Orange was the one this last year that I was talking up and um, yeah, I love I love putting her books in people's hands and she does a really great job on Instagram of posting what she's reading. She's a good bookstagrammer. Um, and so I've seen things there that about, I think are like, great. Um, sorry. I was just going to say one of the things that I think really stands out about bitter orange is the cover of that book is just jumps out at you and is so Instagrammable also. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. I love that contrast, the black with the bright green and orange. Do you think people will start designing their book covers for Instagram? Oh, you know, I, I would say probably at some of the houses they do, or at least they think about it because I mean, publishers have really gotten into Instagram too. I mean, this may this may expose me as like too much of a social media nerd and thinking way too much about this whole bookstagram thing as I go. But like whenever I post, I tag the authors in my photo and I tag the publishers or the bookstore where I got it and all that stuff. It can't be something that the marketing teams there aren't thinking about. You know, it's sort of like you, you yeah. get a release and you know, like a, another one that came out this year that I the cover just grabbed me and everybody seemed to be reading was my sister, the serial killer. Oh, that, that cover is so it. great. It is. <laughs> I loved the cover. I also really love the book. Um, super fast read and such an interesting 
concept. And it goes back to like trying to read women and women of color specifically. Yeah. I love my Kindle just because it's so lightweight, but it's so funny that like in the battle against the Kindle, there is Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Isn't it weird? Yeah. It's so interesting. I mean, whatever, anything that'll get people reading, I'm on board. Yeah. I have used a Kindle app and I like, I'm not anti those. It's just like looking at my phone or something like that. It feels like work to me because I Mm. work in social media. Um, I just find it to be like so much more zen to read a print novel. Yeah, I do too. But I wonder if that's our age group and if the younger (laughs) won't feel that way. But I feel that way too, like holding the book. It's interesting that you said what you did about like using your phone for work and not wanting to use it for sort of your free time and relaxing thing. In the book industry, we're hearing that anecdotally about kids. Um, that even though they're, you know, digital natives, they've never known a world without smartphones and tablets. Um, a lot of them, because they do schoolwork on an iPad or on a laptop, they don't want to read on an iPad for fun. They still want to read a physical book. I would say you're one of the first adults that I've heard express that, but I'm sure you're not the only one who feels that way. I love having that now in my head as a way to like, uh, you know, express to people because I get asked all the time, like, do you think physical books are still viable in this day and age? And I'm like, well, yes, obviously I do. (laughs) I've made it my profession. So I really hope it continues to be viable. But um, hearing that that adults as well want something that separates them from what they do for work all day. I'm like, yeah, of course, that makes total sense. I mean, the thing that I find crazy about my Kindle is I often will have no idea what I'm reading because mm. I don't pick up the book and see the cover. Sure. So sometimes, I mean, I can tell you everything that happened in the book, but I will not remember the title because I saw the title like when I opened that book for the first time when it opened on my Kindle and then like when I closed it. Well, one of the things I dislike the most about when I use audiobooks is that it makes such a shitty Instagram picture. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I want to keep track of the books I'm reading and I want to amplify these authors, but like, it's super boring to just publish that square. Like I did it yesterday and it like it bothers me every time I open the Instagram. <laughs> then you you got to find, you know how you're saying you like the pairings. You have to find like the perfect, right. super artsy pairing that complements that book. Like what is the theme <laughs> oh. of the book? Yeah, well, that's like a good point. Like, I guess I should have tried that. I'm, re- I'm just finishing up My Brilliant Friend by uh, Elena Ferrante. And so like, it's Italian. It's super Italian themed. Like, I could I could go with like a nice Italian red and some pizza or a lasagna or something <laughs> yes. with it. But like, how do you get your audio book in that shot? Like, are you having to buy another phone to take a picture of your phone while you're eating pizza? <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. I mean, exactly yes. I mean maybe, obviously. Yeah. Maybe this is a solution. I have two related I mean, questions. Wait, no. And- yeah, the, mm-hmm, I do too. <laughs> I just wanted yeah. to say that I don't think you're thinking big enough in terms of your Instagram. Like you could dress up your Kindle. You know what I mean? Like you could put little oh, dresses true. on it and a mustache, little googly eyes. Like Allie I just think consult. you need to, you just need to think bigger. You gotta like okay. lean into that. All right. Yeah. yeah lean okay. in. All right. Jen. So one of our listeners in our discord server, Chad asked if it's cheating to listen to audiobooks at double speed. What do we think? <laughs> Listen, I think you do you. Anything that helps you read more is like I, I'm, I'm here for. And sometimes the author or whoever's reading it reads really slow. So like I'm I'm known to bump it up to like 1.25 every now and then. I would not recommend bumping up this podcast because my voice will be insanely <laughs> high pitched. Uh, as someone who occasionally edits this podcast at 1.25 speed, uh, I can confirm that. You know. 
Tammy, you have said that audiobooks are not cheating and whatever gets people in. Katie, I don't want to put words in your mouth, and, and maybe you agree philosophically, but there are only certain kinds of digital retailers who can distribute audiobooks. So if I choose to buy the audiobook, then I'm not shopping at your store. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on oh, that? Oh, okay. Let me, let me jump in on this. Um, there is an audiobook company called Libro.fm that works with independent bookstores. So you can go to an indie bookstore's website and buy your audiobook through them through Libro that supports your local indie if that's what you're into. And the prices are reasonable. I have like a monthly membership, so I pay a monthly fee and I get my audiobook of choice for the month. And often that's how I listen to like the big new releases that I want to be able to talk about at work. But um Libro.fm is a really great resource if you're looking to still support independent bookstores with your audiobook purchases. That's awesome. When you do that, does it go straight back to your own bookstore? Um, yeah. Uh, I will say Good. for the last <laughs> bookstore, we're still like, I'm still in the process of doing all the paperwork for it. Um, so we don't have it live on our site yet, but lots of independent uh, bookstores okay. do. I was wondering if like when you personally buy a book, you see some of that book if you do it through there. Oh. Which I, anyway, yeah, don't worry about yeah. it. <laughs> Allie, she's hatching a scam. She's, she's <laughs> I, I love it. That's what's happening. Tammy, what is your Instagram handle? <laughs> it's at Tammy Gordon. Great. And, uh, <laughs> Clever. <laughs> Katie, what's the, what's the last uh, bookstore Instagram handle? Uh, our handle is at last bookstore LA. <laughs> Katie Great. and I are super literal. <laughs> yeah. Straightforward. Yes. I like it. Yeah. It's all right. My Instagram is secretly my f- full name, but yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you so much for speaking to us and encouraging our listeners to use social media for something other than feeling horrible about yourself <laughs> and looking at everyone else's vacations and babies, even though behind the scenes they're terrible. Anyway, cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, Tammy. Thanks, Katie. Have a great day. Welcome. Thanks for having us. Bye. Jen, what? I came up with an Instagram account for you. Oh, do tell. You know how they said that it, it was all about the pairings or a lot of them yes. are pairings? Yes. Books and beards. <laughs> I, I wonder if that exists. What was that account? Is it called Hot... Hot Dudes Reading. Oh, mm-hmm. I love right. that right, account. Right. But would you actually get to see the titles of the books or just the dudes? Oh, in that account, it's the yeah, dudes. Like, you don't see. They the, were promoting the, the dudes. dudes. No, not but the books. I think there were there were instances, if I recall, where when you did when the title was legible, it was having some sort of impact. Oh, oh. I bet. I bet. It's the perfect pairing. No, it must have. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> you're welcome, Jen. I think it could be a. Uh, really artistic you know like sort of they're always reading so it's like a close-up you get the beard and the book in one shot so, so what's I, the strategy here you're just creeping around i was gonna say how dudes with beards and then taking a photo of them and to be honest to me this actually does sound kind of like porn alley yeah exactly. <laughs> not to bring that up exactly. but like for, yeah we had to bring it back to porn and um <laughs> when you when you creep shot them just make sure to slip them my number since your man is listening to this episode all right all right it's a great dating <laughs> All right. Well, listeners, um, I hope you enjoyed this. Please tweet us what you're reading 
And we hope that this episode inspires you to use social media to find some fun, like-minded individuals and hobbies rather than for evil. So you can tweet Uh, me at Allie Gold. And me at June Bugger. Also, let us know about your local independent bookstores. We want to hear more about the bookstores that are out there that we've never heard about. You can email us at 2G1podcast at gmail.com. And you can call us and leave us a voicemail. Sometimes, as you know, we play them on the podcast in a little section we call listeners' voicemails. It's just as clever as our Instagrams. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and that number is... 347-871-6548. That number again, 347-871-6LIT. Um, and you can join a chat with us in our Discord server. It's discord.gg slash 2G1P. Listeners are there from all over the world, and they're offering up ideas for future shows, questions for shows that we're recording that day. Um, it's really a fun and lively conversation. So we hope to see you there. If they would like to contribute to Two Girls, One Podcast, how can they do that, Allie? You can go to patreon.com slash 2G1P. And for a small contribution, we will give you a shout out on air. So we hope you'll check it out. All right, everybody. Let us know what you're reading and we'll see you next week. Two Girls, One Podcast is hosted by Jennifer Jamula and Allison Goldberg and self-published on Amazon. I mean, produced by Matt Silverman in New York City. This episode was edited by Sophie Bridges. Production assistance is provided by the Podglomerate. This show is a production of The Daily Dot, the number one source for in-depth reporting about life on the internet. The Podglomerate. A sonic universe. Did you like my Muppet voice? Yes, please.